Mana 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 this is Social Discasting. Welcome to Social Discasting, a podcast where my guests and I discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves. I am Brandon, aka Brandon. Hope you're well. My guest is a film columnist at Willamette Week, as well as a screenwriter, and is also the most followed, most popular, question mark, person on Letterboxd as Brad Pitt, and is married to three men of note, Brad Pitt, the late great John Cassavetes, and Robert Pattinson. Yes. Please welcome Mia Vicino. Welcome. Hello, hello. It's great to hello. be here. I do have three husbands. Thank you for including that. Absolutely. Yeah, I want to make sure I got the order right because I know yes. it's order specific. It is order specific. That is the order. <laughs> and is the the order is, you know, not, I don't want to get this out there to them. I hope it didn't break their heart. Is it in order of love or is is it that Robert Pattinson is third because he kind of scares you? Oh, okay. You nailed, you nailed it, basically. He does scare me. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's like an order of how fervent my love for them is or how cuckoo bananas they make my brain go. So yeah, Brad has just been number one, you know, like for for a while, really, like since, I don't know, since the Burn After Reading trailer in 2008. God, he's incredible in that. He's so incredible. He's having the most fun in that. He's he's so funny in, in in that role. So Yes, he's my number one, and then John Cassavetes is my number- the ghost, I should say. He's my number two, he's deceased, been dead since 89, but that doesn't really affect our relationship too much. You know, if anything, maybe it, it's maybe it's good to have some some space. Yeah, and then it's like when he visits as a ghost, it's like kind of more exciting. It's like, oh, I haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> what have you been up to? Um, yeah. So, so it is cool <laughs> to have the ghost husband, and then Rob is really the scary husband. He's scarier than the ghost husband, for sure. You know, I feel like I'd be deeply intimidated by him if I met him. Yes, uh, me too. Because he's got like a, you know, he's got like an attractiveness that almost makes him look feel alien. Mm-hmm. I think I saw one time where five times a year they come up with one of those articles where it's like they talked to one expert and he was picked as like the most quantifiably attractive human. Yes. And I saw that and I'm like, fair enough. Yeah, that's probably fair. Yes. I um, If you Google most handsome man, he comes up, which okay. is very powerful. I got, because I, <laughs> Liz <laughs> thinks Robert Pattinson, my friend Liz, who's been on the show, thinks he's like the ugliest person ever. And we're always like <laughs> mock fighting about it. Because I'm like, what are you talking about? If you Google most handsome man, he comes up. How can you argue with this science? <laughs> um, but yeah, that handsomeness does make him feel alien. I think that's why he was so perfect cast as our vampire friend Edward because he's not of this earth. I feel so bad for him for that. Not because, look, he, he it may put him in a position where he can do whatever he wants. Yes, incredible power and wealth. Absolutely. And I'm so glad he did that because I don't think he would have chosen all of these absolutely fascinating roles and people that he works with now. I kind of think about it like um, like the Daniel Radcliffe effect. Like, mm-hmm. Radcliffe is worth so much money and he can do anything he wants and he could do any movie, but he does the most interesting, like challenging roles. And Robert Pattinson makes such interesting choices, both from a material standpoint, but also from what he does as an actor. He's just, I think he's fascinating. I, okay, same, 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 same. I I love his, most of his film choices, even the flops. (laughs) It's like, at least you're taking a chance. You're... Yes. You're doing this weird material. The script is always weird and it's like he's he's giving a, you know, his using his star power to like get these weirdo little films made um that probably wouldn't have been made if his name wasn't attached to it, which is I I just rewatched The Lighthouse last last night because it was storming. Oh, nice. It was all stormy and rainy in LA. Perfect. 
So um, I rewatched The Lighthouse, and he's freaking incredible. He was snubbed. He and Willem both were snubbed. I agree. <laughs> yeah, you can't knock either of them, but certainly not Pattinson for a lack of commitment. Mm-hmm. Like, he commits, and I respond to that as a viewer so much. Like The actors that are just committing on a cellular level and are just so there, present, into it, I respond to the, that type of acting or those actors easily more than any other. Yeah, it's all in the eyes. Just like the way they communicate with their eyes, I think, yeah. is just so, so, so important. The way they look. <laughs> look, I mean, physically look at, look at, not the way yeah. they no, I agree. Look, you I, you I know that, what I'm saying. <laughs> no, I think that makes sense. You know, I was just thinking earlier today, randomly, in a weird way, and this this is why in my head I, I associate him with Brad Pitt, too, is that I feel like to quantify who a movie star is, you have to see them in a supporting role to realize, like, oh, yeah, that's a movie star. Yes. And Brad Pitt is, like, obviously he's an all-timer and an absurdly charismatic, incredible, like, genuinely all-time great actor. Yes. He's very, very talented. Um, when, with the with the right director and the right material, he's he's you know I've I've seen a lot of his films at this point. Um, <laughs> he's made a lot of them. Yeah, and um, he can he can flop occasionally. I found that he kind of flops when he's having a weird time in his personal life. Um, I can see that. Yeah, like Allied was around the divorce time. Um, just like whenever he's having a weird time, his movies aren't great. Is what I found, which makes sense. That makes sense. It does. I, maybe he's like also making a movie to get away from certain things. You know, like, yes. I'm going to focus on this project and it's just like, I need a thing. And maybe he's less discerning in that thing. Yes, yes, yes. But he, I think that he's is for the most part very consistent. People that think of him as being hot and not anything else, I feel like, which, yeah. you know, that's not a big problem to have. Like, I don't feel bad <laughs> that <Yeah>. people, <laughs> he's... <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, your butler's sick. Okay, you'll yeah. be okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, but now he has his acting Oscar, his first acting Oscar. Which is wild, you know, because I think he's deserving for a number of roles. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it is funny to me that he's the stuntman in, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood to DiCaprio playing the, well, the more movie star mm-hmm. type person. And his role in that is the most movie star charismatic role you could have. Like It utilizes Brad Pitt's true star power in the most understated way. It's the perfect encapsulation of what he can do. Yes, 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 absolutely. I think it's, um, I mean, he does so many things in that movie too that I feel like he's known for doing in other films. Like, you know, he takes off his shirt. That's a classic yeah. Brad move. Um, he's always munching on snacks. He's... <laughs> I love the snack move. The I snack love the snack move. move. Yeah. I love his hand gesture move that he does in movies mm-hmm. a lot. Yes, he's very good with his hands. He's I very love good. the hand. I love the hand stuff. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I agree. It's like a perfect encapsulation of, of his career, his star persona in general. I think it relies on, yeah, that intertextuality that's like, everybody who's seen this movie knows who Brad Pitt is. Yeah. They've seen multiple of his movies, most likely, and they know that he's known for this. And I think it's really cool when movies can tie in like a star's persona with the film itself and not have it come off as, <laughs> I don't know, like a gimmick or... Yeah, like kind of winky in a way. Yeah, you know, like... yeah, yeah, yeah. Deadpool. And... <laughs> oh, God. Stupid-ass movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, it's it's like if anybody can do that, it, feel, it definitely feels like Tarantino is rightfully like best built 
to do yes. that because he's so good at doing homages to movies while making this weird stew of a thousand different things that become its own thing and work. You know, it's like this weird alchemy that just it just works. And especially, I think in that movie, I, I think that I love that movie. I've seen it many, many times. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it a couple times in theaters. You know, I I gotta support my husband, my first husband. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I think I think Tarantino is that that love of that true genuine love of film really just like shines through in his movies like no other not to sound like i'm just like this film college guy like oh tarantino <laughs> but yeah. i do think that, that that love of cinema that respect for the history of cinema like you can't fake that and i just i, I really agree. miss seeing just kind of this love of old cinema in popular films that come out like again the lighthouse that's such an homage to like old 40s movies and like horror old 40, 40s horror and like i don't know i just think i just really miss that magic feeling of movies instead of yeah. this like algorithmic billion dollar spectacle for spectacle's sake stuff which i've just been seeing way 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 too much of i just miss when like filmmakers actually genuinely loved cinema and it shown I know shines exactly three yeah yeah no i think that there's something contagious about that like it's palpable yes you know as opposed to to your point like the soullessness we have to very you know like cynically hit the four quadrants and it's just they're trying to make a movie by a corporation for mm -hmm. everyone so then it's for no one yes yes and i just don't like it i don't like it at all yeah i was just talking about this um last night with a friend about how like you know we just watched that movie soul yeah. um which is a cute movie but again it, it's like it is trying to do that thing where it it wants everybody to feel seen, but because mm. of that, that scope is so wide, it can't possibly fit everybody into that scope. So then nobody is fully seen. People are like half seen, okay. but nobody is fully seen, if that yeah, makes no, sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I haven't seen it yet. I've heard wildly varying things, but for the most part, it seems like the reviews are pretty good. Yeah. Although I would be curious to see what the reactions would be in a world where we haven't been you know, cooped up for nine months. Because I feel like it would be, you know, it's like a salve for people, I feel like. Yes, totally um, Which agree. is cool. I mean, right on. But, you know, you juxtapose that against, like, for example, Wonder Woman 84, or 1984, uh, yeah. which I watched. And uh, what a fucking mess. I did not watch it. Uh <laughs> You're better off for it. Yeah. And I think... Yeah, it's that whole, I just, I, again, I miss the movie, I miss the movie theaters. I think I would have seen Wonder Woman in the theater with my AMC A-list entourage yeah. <laughs> subscription. And I would have seen Soul at 2 p.m. on a Thursday, and I would have been happy. <laughs> no, I, I know exactly what you mean. And I think in a weird way, I mean, not to even go into it too much, but I do think that that the spectacle of Wonder Woman and all that probably would have played better in a theater because it just, I don't know, maybe it's just the palpable excitement of going out and seeing yes. a movie as opposed to just like putting something on in the background. You know, I just feel like uh, in a weird way, like the less I have to work for a movie, the less invested I am, both mm -hmm. like literally and monetarily. And then it's got to be that much better, I guess, for me to really be into it. And it kind of sucks. I love the movie theater experience. Yes, you me can't too. Beat it. You absolutely cannot, like, I've been watching a lot of movies at home because there's nothing else to do. And, you yeah. know, I like that comfort. I like being able to watch a movie with my cat and have free snacks and everything. But I do find it's so much harder to stay engaged and to, like, really give the piece of art the respect it deserves. Like, I'm always feeling bad if I, like, check my phone or something, like, during the, it's because, you know, you can't check your phone during a movie. In the, well, you, you can, but it's in, 
don't do that. Uh, it's can, an in unspoken the thing in my head. I'm like, I yeah. do not check my phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't. And and because of that, it's like, I just feel so much more engaged and compelled in the movie theater. It's like, you can only look at this big screen. You're in the dark. Yeah. You That's all you can pay attention on. And it just helps my focus so much. I think it's hard to pay attention to things, especially like in this day and age. And so I just really miss like getting getting caught up in a movie. I feel like I don't often get like completely swept away into the diegetic world of the film as much as I could be. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know what you mean. It feels so much more informal. Yeah. It's a bummer because I think also you just can't beat, for example, like say what you will about the last Avenger movies, the last two, but I went and saw them in the theater and it was an amazing experience because everybody in the crowd was into it. They were so into it and it was very infectious. You can't simulate that. No, you cannot replicate but a that. Theater. Mm-hmm. Yes. I really miss the, the um, yeah, that, that communal experience. Um, of the movie theater too. I just, I moved here in January from Portland. So like right before all this started. And that was part of why is because I was like, there's so much, so much more plays here. Like there's so many more old movies playing at theaters, like repertory screenings. And like, I don't know, the culture around movies here is so different where people are like so excited during screenings. And so I was really excited to be able to experience that and then I haven't really been able to <laughs> yet but that's one of the things I'm looking forward to most is just like a communal experience where like we're all in a movie theater scene I like going to see old movies like oh, yeah, um because everybody's like seen the movie before and like we all know when to cheer and when to laugh and when to, <laughs> and it's just so 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 much fun and that's what I'm like really looking forward to <laughs> after all this well it's funny yeah you move to LA thinking you're gonna get these varied forms of like move film experiences and plays and things and then next thing you know it's a pandemic and you're driving in a truck with friends to san diego to see tenants <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> in, a, in a drive not a drive through in a drive-in theater yeah what a movie good lord i know tenant yeah you know uh, you know your your third husband your intimidating third husband mm-hmm. robert Batson, has like quite a year between that and the devil inside you whatever that devil all the time devil all the time this is specifically what made me think about movie stars playing supporting actors between that and the king that's (laughs) two movies where i'm like we get three seconds of him making this thing so much more interesting than it was before him yes and he is unbelievable in those i love when he just goes for it and he's like i don't have to do any heavy lifting or i'm not selling this movie i'm just gonna Mm -hmm. go for it and i love it yes i love that too his his accent and both the king <laughs> and devil of the time is fascinating amazing uh, yeah he's like little french ac- yeah i did watch the king i did watch devil of the time just for him and yes. he's really not in it that much but as you said he really steals the show what does he do he like he's like he makes fun of timothy chalamet for having a tiny cock that's awesome he goes tiny cock cock that's what he says the way he and says then he cock. googles and then googles he giggles <laughs> yeah the entire time like uh <laughs> And I think it was, yeah, I think in where he played the Southern Preacher, I think it was, he just made that accent up. Yes, like yeah, he, he didn't have a dialect coach or anything, he refused. <laughs> Which is, what a choice, like, I like the fact that he comes off as like this, in interviews and stuff, like, wildly nervous, almost like the cliche of what Americans perceive, like, a British person to mm-hmm. be like, you know? Yeah. Like, but he makes the most confident choices as an actor. Yes. Like, really ballsy stuff, and I respect it so much. And I think that, yeah, part of that, confidence just comes from he's you know making how many five twilight films one two three four five yeah five i mean that's gonna like really build up a foundation 
of right. <laughs> movie experience and yeah, hopefully he got all confidence. the bad reviews out of his system. Yeah, yeah, he got all that out. <laughs> it's like now he can just kind of do whatever, and he has that confidence. I just, I also just, I'm watching every Robert Pattinson movie is what okay. I've been doing recently because what else is there to do? And yeah. I just rewatched Cosmopolis. If you've heard or yes. seen that one, I like that movie. Okay, like, yeah, Cronenberg, uh, right? Yeah, he's he's in the limo for the whole okay, for right. the whole movie, almost the whole movie. And um, he just said in interviews like this was the movie that like helped me find my confidence to like be to really go for it and be crazy and weird and um, like that. take risks. And yeah, rewatching it, it's it's very clear that this is like such a major turning point for him. Like it was um, liberating, yeah, yeah, really liberating from like I don't know that. Having to be the head of a teen franchise would just be so. You'd really have to prove yourself after that. Like I yeah. get, I get his his drive to prove himself, and Kristen Stewart as well. Oh, she's great. She's very. She's like deceptively powerful. Yes, she's very good. I still need to see Personal Shopper, which I, I keep mm. hearing is great. I just Personal Shopper is great. Okay. Yeah, I've heard she's really good in it. Yes, I like that director too. Um, oh yeah, is it is that a Sayus? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I really like his his stuff. I just like French directors for the most part. <laughs> yeah. In general, yeah, I fair. they know what they know what they're doing. Um <laughs> more so than a lot of others. <laughs> a lot of American yeah. directors, I, I would I would say that's pretty fair. But just in general, yeah, I think they the French filmmakers seem to have a pretty strong batting average. It is interesting what you said about Pattinson and gaining his confidence in that. I was just thinking, considering what he was allowed to and told to do in that movie, both like just what the scenes were, but also being able to kind of imbue whatever he kind of wanted in that performance. But then on top of that, being told to do that by David Cronenberg. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you'd get a lot of experience and a lot of confidence from that guy being like, look, I chose you for a reason. Do what you want. You're like... Fair enough, David Cronenberg. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. It's like he's also working with a true auteur, I feel like, for yeah. the first time with Cosmopolis. I really like Cronenberg. His his earlier stuff more so than, I agree. It's than his really late stuff. Yeah, I I love his early body horror and I clearly robbed those two because he worked with him again. I think he's worked with him multiple times. And that's another uh, that's another cool thing that I like about him is that he's a cinephile. <laughs> yeah. He he like really has that respect for old cinema and like cinema history that again i was talking about that i miss people in the industry having that reverence for like what i don't know what the blueprints for what's coming out now he seems to have an amazing eye for talent like current talent of the people he sought out and even i mean was it the safety brothers where he just emailed them saying like hey if you ever want to work together it was some 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 directors that weren't or director that weren't that wasn't the level they are now, but just kind of cold emailed them saying, if you ever want to work together, I'm all about it. Yeah. Like, that's how he's harbored these relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He really, yeah, the Safties and then also Claire Denis he contacted, yeah. I believe. Um, yeah, he just kind of emails, which is scary. I can't imagine <laughs> <laughs> receiving an email from Robert Pattinson, responding to an email from Robert Pattinson. <laughs> <laughs> like oh my god it's just crazy that he has an account and it's out there email's scary to me and i i think about like famous people using email yeah i you know at least if i were to meet them in person i could get some sense of who they are what their mood is like and stuff as yeah. opposed to 
Get an email and I just project my mood onto their text. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Ex- I, yeah, emailing, <laughs> but then again, like meeting him in person, it's like, I have no idea what you're thinking or feeling. <laughs> you're not real yeah. to me. <laughs> you, yeah, you might, you know, cut yourself on his jawline. Yeah, it's dangerous. <laughs> He's scary. He's dangerous. I have I have a giant, like, I wish you could see. It's this um, silk tapestry of Edward Cullen that just kind of like hangs on my wall. That's amazing. I got it for free at work. I'm not crazy. It was it was in a free pile with a $75 price ticket on it. So it's a $75 value that I found for free. And Wow. I know, yeah, it's just kind of That kinda, was a major day. Big big day. That was at um Amoeba Music. If you Oh nice. Yeah, I I worked there. Well, I kind of work there still, but it's just not open. Well, that but that plays into you're a massive physical media person, right? Yes, 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 yes. And I I started working there literally like six days before everything shut down. Oh, um, wow. So like before I could even use my discount on all the criterions they have. Oh, um, no. But I should be back. I I'll hopefully we'll be back when they open again. But um, yeah, that was another thing. The pandemic <laughs> took was my amoeba job god that sucks i mean obviously you know it could be worse and could be worse that's one of those things where it's like ah that's well that's a bummer especially when just the idea of going there and just discount or no but just to be like it's time to shop let me just hell yeah through you know it's one of the it's like the only real way you can discover things now you know i say that as somebody who worked at blockbuster for years and that was oh yes oh god yeah i oh i wish i could have worked at blockbuster that's like the perfect part-time job for me i feel like but you know obviously not now i mean the music is close ish (laughs) but that's as good effect similar as you can get yeah 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 oh blockbuster i miss that i just miss touching touching the movies yes um it's it's that sense of discovery i can't over i I, it's a thing where i can't overvalue like value that enough Mm -hmm. obviously it's one thing to like click a link and then it's like oh who's this person but to like, oh, what's this? And it's kind of like tactile, this movie, this thing I can watch, this physical media. Yes. It's just difficult to beat that. I, I just, it's up there for me. Yes. I love, I really love physical media. It's something that I defend all the time. I'm really into defending archival, <laughs> you know, the yeah. archives and everything because like, I don't know, I have a lot of physical media and people are like, oh, but that's obsolete. Like why? Why are you still collecting these movies when they're all streaming? When it's like, I don't know, they could take them off streaming. And <laughs> edit, a, like <laughs> All it takes is somebody pressing a button and you can't ever see that movie again. Yeah, literally, like exactly. Like they're always taking stuff off streaming every month. And then also it's like if you buy a movie digitally, yeah, it's possible that, I don't know, the company could go out of business and you can't watch the movie again i don't know i just i just like having my physical copy and i know people you know they download they have their big hard drives with like sure. a million torrents and everything which i just haven't done because i'm scared of hurting my computer but also you know and i do have a hard drive with movies on it but it's just so different <laughs> as we, as we're saying like from that that physical that tactile and also it's like you know when you go to somebody's apartment you can like look at all the movies they have and like i don't know that's that's always fun for me is like going to somebody's place and looking through their movies and books and like talking about them and being like oh you have this this is one of my favorites and then we can talk about it and i don't know you can't do that like looking through some guy's hard drive (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna like use his laptop and look through his hard drive and you're like i just want to be like impishly curious and not have to be a feel like a hacker looking to figure out 
to get a shorthand of this person. Yeah, I don't want to be weird about it. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, hey, nice to meet you. Okay, what's your login? Yeah. I just want to check a few things out. (laughs) But it does remind me, too, of like, in a weird way, like, and this is like deeply unfair to like in any way summarize a person's being based on this, but like looking at somebody's movie collection is a good way to get a read on someone. Yes. And it's just fun to kind of like sift through and just look and be like, oh, cool. You know, like to your point, you get talking points, commonalities, points of interest, and it's just really hard to beat that. Yes. That's part of why I like Letterboxd, using Letterboxd so much. Yeah. Is um, that like, that social aspect of it. Like I like seeing what my friends are rating. I like seeing what they're watching and like, then there's something to talk about and, you know, or like trying to pick a movie with your friends. You can like go through that and pick something and it kind of replicates the blockbuster feeling. Yes. <sighs> Not, I love it. Yeah. I, I, so I, I don't know. I just like talking about movies with my friends. That's oh, no. like one of my little pleasures. It's the best. <laughs> it really, I know, I know exactly what you mean though. It's great. And I think Letterbox, to your point, is like the closest to that feeling as much as one can through mm-hmm. some kind of like social media website type, but it's as much kind of social media-ish as you want it to be, Yeah, which is nice. It's so like secondary to it. I just think it's great. I, I'm, I've logged every movie I've seen this year because I just wanted to do that to just do it for at least a year. And as much as I felt like it felt like it was an arduous task, mm-hmm. once you start doing it, it's really easy. It's really easy. The way it's designed is really simple and aesthetically pleasing i just i i really like it i also like having my like stats and my data about how much oh, i love that so much yeah. <laughs> i need to know how much i'm watching i love that aspect of it and i also really like how how personal it is like people are more often themselves i feel like on letterboxd than you know yeah. on like twitter and instagram that's all that's so much more fake it's so much more of like kind of trying to show like, oh, my life is good. Here's evidence of my life being fun. Whereas Letterboxd, you can just kind of say whatever. And <laughs> it's like so personal. It's like more like a diary. Like it's literally called a diary. I just feel like you can be more authentic on there. And it really values that authenticity more than other social media platforms do. That's what I appreciate. Absolutely. Yeah. I think um, to your point, like uh, the, the Twitters of the world too, it's just like you're all trying to stand out in a crowd of everyone trying to stand out and Mm -hmm. and it feels i mean you know i think like twitter i guess it's like the less you try to do that the more successful i guess whatever that means you tend to be because it's like people i think innately just bristle at affect Mm -hmm. and there is so much less to your point like affectation on a letterbox where it's like hey we know why we're here we love movies isn't that great let's watch movies yeah and you get to see, like, your favorite films, your top four. Like, what's in their top four as we, you know, sum them up in four movies? And if I see a new movie, too, or and I watch it enough, I'm like, should this go in the top four? Yeah. I put a lot of thought into it for reasons I don't entirely understand. No, the top four is important. I just changed it up. Whenever I change up my top four, I'm like, whoa, yeah. this is big for my entire <laughs> personality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just switched out Mahal and Drive for opening night, John Cassavetes' opening night. I need to see that. Yeah, oh. I, that's I, I'm. I've got not a total Casavetti's blind spot, but definitely one of the bigger blind spots that I have to rectify. He's tricky. So. I mean, he's just his movies are so heavy and long, yeah. and it's like if you're gonna watch one, it's like you need to prepare yourself <laughs> mentally. Yeah, I know. I feel like it's gonna be like I'm gonna watch it, and I'm gonna be like, well, I hated the experience, but that's an amazing movie. Yeah, that's that's kind of the vibe. Opening night is my favorite of his easily. I think that that's. That's his most, to me at okay. least, his most like accessible and 
I don't know. There's some. There's just some beautiful acting in it. He always has beautiful acting. Which ones have you seen? If you've uh, seen any, it's okay. <laughs> I don't know that. Actually, you know what? Yeah. I, I genuinely don't, I don't think that I've. Not the top of my head. I don't think I've seen any John Cassavetes written directed films. Yeah. I mean, in terms of acting, I've I've seen the Dirty Dozen, and I actually in your your number two spot, I saw this year for the first time, which is a movie that I've <gasps> never seen anything quite like it, and that's Mikey and Nikki. Mikey and Nikki. I've yes! never seen anything quite like that movie. Their relationship, it's mm-hmm. unbelievable. Like it, it's indescribably great. Yeah. No, that's oh my god, that's one of my favorite movies ever, and I only just discovered it maybe like a year and a half ago. Yeah. I want to say, and it was just, like, straight-up magic. Like, that was, it was, like, this is one of my favorite movies. Like, I could I could just tell that feeling when you're, like, watching something, you're like, oh, my God, this is going to be one of my favorites. It's just, yeah. like, one of the best yes. feelings ever, and I had that with that one. I watched it, like, five times in the same year. Like, I just kept going back to it, and I just, what you're saying about how it, it's, like, so unique, I've also never seen a movie like that. I think it's awesome that, like, it's just, it's this gritty sleazy 70s gangster flick but it's like written and directed by a woman elaine may and it's it focuses so what i like is how it focuses so much more on the characters and their relationship with each other over like the crime itself it's so deeply vulnerable yes 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 and like like painfully so almost like i know casavetes has the quote-unquote like showier role and he's unbelievable in it but like Peter Falk is unfucking oh, yeah. believable too. He imbues so much hurt, pain, frustration, everything too. Playing off of it. it, it's just it's just unbelievable. It's just the focus of it is so fascinating. Yes, it's just such a masterclass in acting. I think in general because they're they're yeah. friends in real life. Like they were already friends. They already have this like both professional and uh, fraternal relationship. And you can really, really tell that they're just, like, so comfortable with each other on screen. They're, like, play fighting in the streets and running around and, like, just being really physical. Like, the physicality of the roles, too. I just think it's perfectly cast and perfectly acted and directed. And, oh, it's just so incredible. And it's, like, one of my missions to get... to get more people to check it out. Because it also... it also didn't even really come out when it was made. It came out years later, right? Like three or four years later? Like many, I don't think, I mean, it didn't come out until MoMA restored it in like 1990. So like 10 years, basically, 13 years until like Elaine May got the version that she wanted, that she initially envisioned. So yeah, it was just like- She was shit on so much in her career. Yeah, she really has. God damn. Like so wildly, absurdly, unquantifiably gifted. Mm -hmm. Mike Nichols had- this unbelievable career and they both were in Nichols and May and were mm-hmm. both equally wildly talented but just by proxy of being a woman yes got so many more exponentially less opportunities and then like got shit on for Ishtar and yeah it's like she makes one quote bad movie and then it's like yeah. oh well you can't make another movie for 30 years when like men are making shit movies <laughs> all I mean, the time <laughs> You know, I mean, granted, he's he's just acting in it, but like Matt Damon, Loki has an awful filmography. Yeah, no, he's he, made a lot of bad stuff. Yeah, and he's allowed to keep doing it. You know, so many mediocre male creatives just get to keep doing it, and then Elaine is again; she's just such a genius. She only got to make four films. It's just too bad because she's she's so incredible. And yeah, I love my I love Mike Nichols too. Like he's also one of my all time favorites. He's great. Um, yeah, but. 
yeah, it's just really frustrating that she didn't also get to do what she needed to do, which was make a bunch of movies. And she could do, I keep going on about this, but like she can do multiple genres too. Like her comedy, her comedies, A New Leaf and Heartbreak Kid are just so different yeah. from Mikey and Nikki. It's never been an ability issue. It's always just been an access issue. Yes. To put it lightly, unfortunately, she, that's so many female directors or writers before her and after her that it's never been abilities. And that's never been the question. Mm-hmm. It's just this, uh, it's just absolute horseshit. It's, but, yeah. The access. She, yes, absolutely. I will say that one bit of trivia, because I brought up the trivia part <laughs> of IMDb from Mikey and Nikki, that's one of my favorite things trivia wise I've ever read. And that's this, is this Peter Falk was convinced that Ned Beatty was the brother of Warren Beatty. When he found out they were born only a few months apart, he broke out into hives with embarrassment and stopped production for the day. <laughs> Peter! It's the funniest thing. <laughs> oh, I love that guy. I it's love It's the most that guy. endearing bit of trivia, you know, like, <sighs> God, he was just so mortified he thought Ned Beatty and Warren Beatty were brothers that he couldn't work that he day. He couldn't work. He had to shut it down. <laughs> That's so funny. It's the best. God, I just love that dream team again of Peter and John. Yeah, they go to places you can't, like, nobody would go to that, those places with a stranger. Oh, absolutely not. And I wouldn't expect them to, but like, yeah, to your point, like, to be that vulnerable, like, just as characters, let alone the things the actors are doing and the places they're going, like, yeah, that's a a sort of alchemy you can only seemingly get with two Again, majorly vulnerable actors who also deeply trust and love each other. Yes. Oh, I love that. Cast friends more often yes. <laughs> in, in the movies. I just think that, that it's it's so hard to fake, like, chemistry. Yeah. Um, it's just impossible to fake that chemistry. And I think that casting is so, so, so important in movies. More important than people realize that's another thing I really like is casting. I'm kind of fascinated by it because it it really it just makes or breaks the movie like completely. Oh, complete like completely because like if it doesn't work out, oh boy, do you notice it? Mm-hmm. But to to get that kind of like again that like alchemy of seeing somebody do something you never expected them to do or knew they could do, and you're just like holy shit. I guess honestly, it's kind of like that uh, in a way like the John C. Riley and Step Brothers moment. <laughs> of like, oh, that dude, you know, and now it's just so easy to associate with him with comedy, but he wasn't that by any means at that point. Yeah, no. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, he can do anything. John C. Riley's awesome. He can, he truly can do anything. He really, yeah. I love that guy. One of the all-time great supporting actor slash character actor slash every man can do jack of all trades. Really, John of all yeah. trades. He's. <laughs> <laughs> A John C. Riley of all trades. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, I mean, just him doing Dr. Steve Brule is one of the funniest oh, things I've ever seen. An icon. Oh, my God. It's the best. It's so funny because, like, he does these, you know, he, he was in three Oscar-nominated films at once in 2002, and then yeah. he goes to Tim and Eric to, like, do these <laughs> absurd, like, alternative best. comedy sketches. Like, And he's <laughs> so good at it, too. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh, God. I, I do yeah. like to see actors... Oh, go into a new, kind of a new avenue like that, mm-hmm. or or something new to which audiences are, are new, you know, to see them through that prism. And then just be like, oh, you could just have a career ha- doing that the entire time, and he would have thrived. Yeah. I'm in awe of that guy, of what he can do. Yeah, I love, I mean, character actors, that's another thing. I'm just listing things I'm fascinated by, but character actors is another one. I love yeah. character actors. 
I like them more than the leads sometimes. Like they're because they're, they're just in so many movies. Yes. Like character actor filmographies are always just like meaty, and yeah. <laughs> and I just think that's such a fun like way to have a career. I think is to just kind of show up in a bunch of things and steal the show. Like, can you imagine fully fleshing out a character who is in there to not be fully fleshed out in some ways? You know, yeah. To, to do that, like, that is amazing. Like, uh, that is one thing that I've said about Brad Pitt is that th- I just think he's a character actor in a in a movie star body. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, he is. He definitely is. I think that he always, like, he shines the most when he's doing the character actor supporting role type Absolutely. things um, over the leading men. Because I think that he's actually a really interesting, weird, funny person secretly like he's yes. just a lot weirder than we think he is you know because we see this just like hot perfect guy who's <laughs> you know but it's like no no this guy is weird if you like yeah. reading his interviews and like seeing him talk and listening to his commentaries it's like this guy's weird and i love that and when he gets to express that uniqueness is when he shines instead of just having to be just kind of this boring because <laughs> a lead a lead character is kind of just there to be projected onto yeah, I think it's almost like you can see him, see him relieved on screen when he doesn't have to be the thing that the person that sells the movie, mm-hmm. you know, the name above the title on a poster. It feels like, you know, in those supporting roles where you can actually make interesting choices, I feel like he is so much more himself interested and invested in doing that because it's like, this is why I got into acting. This is fun for me. Yeah, I mean, like even Fight Club, that's a supporting role. Yeah, absolutely. It's not the lead, even if it's marketed as... Like, whenever I rewatch Fight Club, I'm always, like, surprised by how little he's in it. I mean, he's in it, like, a good amount, obviously, but I always expect him to be in it more. And then he's yeah. really not in a ton of it. Same with Inglorious Bastards. I mean, he's basically a co-lead in Seven. You mm-hmm. know, like, he's not in it dramatically more than Morgan Freeman. I mean, and granted, he wasn't, like, quite as Brad Pitt level necessarily as mm-hmm. he is now. But, I mean, I think that's part of, I guess, maybe speaks to the... That character actor feeling is just that in like Fight Club, he's deeply memorable in everything he's in. So it feels mm-hmm. like he's in it way more than he is. Yes, yes. And then Seven, that's probably my favorite of his lead performances. I love that movie um, so much. Yeah, he's me great. too. Oh my God. I rewatched it semi-recently, like a month or so ago. That's another pitism is that he does the crying to angry face to <gasps> crying again. Yes, that's like my favorite part when he's it's the what's in the box scene. When yes. he's like, oh my God, he like cries and then he like leans yeah. over and screams and then he like looks back up again and like is it's so great. mad and then cries. Oh my God, <laughs> it's so good. I just think that's like one of his best scenes in general is that what's in the box scene. Because like, like that line, it just says what's in the box. Like yeah. that's that's nothing. But just the way he like screams it in agony because he knows what's in that box yeah i mean it's to your point though it's like you only get that kind of interstitial flash shot of what is in the box Mm -hmm. so the rest of it is just you're projecting onto a blank canvas of what is in the box Mm -hmm. of what he saw and he's imbuing all that and you're feeling it all through him and it's it's a like low key it's a really fucking hard thing to do yes oh yeah yeah yeah. no (laughs) and he it's uh, he's just so good i know that the people do parallels a lot to actors of they're the next so-and-so or they're you know our generation's this but it, it is wild just truly how seemingly accurate those redford parallels are Brad yeah. Pitt and Redford are very very similar in a lot of ways yes they are very similar they look similar <laughs> too yeah, yeah like i watched um and they're in a movie together spy game spy game 
Yes. I rewatched that. I like that movie a lot. It's, really? It's aged better. It, I enjoyed it. M- okay, that's fair. <laughs> I enjoyed it more than I remember it. It is the most. It's yeah. one of the. It's almost like Apex distracting Tony Scott filmmaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like it, it really fell off a cliff even more with Domino of like, just dear God, it's like a copy of a copy of a copy. Mm-hmm. But I guess, you know what, I, honestly, it's I enjoyed seeing them in a movie together. That's yeah. What, that's what stuck with me. That's true. That's true. It, it They're both like such, yeah, titans of cinema. And it is fun to watch them play off of each other and i also what's my favorite part of spy game it's when robert redford is like you think this is a game yeah and there's like that whole scene where they talk about (laughs) it's not this isn't a game that made me laugh a lot (laughs) (laughs) the thing that made me laugh the most is just the scene where it's like them sitting at a table on a roof in prague or something Mm -hmm. and then tony scott's like i've got to have a helicopter to shoot her to circle around the building and get (gasps) a dramatic shot of it yeah. That made me laugh because I'm just like, God, he can't help himself. I'm remembering that shot now. That's a ridiculous <laughs> shot. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Spy game. Tony's got like, obviously, uh, truly like RIP. I, I yeah. miss him and I do love his movies, but I can't imagine a Tony Scott movie with an unlimited drone budget. Oh God. No. That <laughs> <laughs> would. God. It'd be a lot. This, it would be a lot. This is a silly question. Is yeah. Tony related to Ridley? Brothers. Yeah. Brothers. Okay, okay, okay. That's what I thought. I was like pretty yes. sure, but I wanted I wanted to make sure. Because <laughs> Tony yeah. and Ridley are such different names. It's like... Ridley Scott feels like, oh yeah, obviously he's British. But then Tony Scott, it's like, is that his Italian cousin? Yeah, it's. it <laughs> seems like... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. His Italian cousin. <laughs> oh, Ridley Scott, and I love. I like Ridley Scott a lot too. He's got one of the weirdest filmographies of any director. Yeah, it is varied. It is disparate, and it's weird. It's also got that. You know, I know they did The Martian together, but it's got a Matt oh. Damon thing of like. Yeah, he made The Martian. Oh my God, he is yeah. a weird filmo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 uh, oh, Ridley's a weirdo, but like, it's weird that. He does that thing, too, where it's like three movies you forget about, and then he has a hit to bring him back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, And that's very Mad Damon-ish. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Ridley's always, he's always bringing me back. At, like, he's just like, I, he loses me, and then he gets me again. At the end of the day, it's like, well, he made Thelma and Louise and Alien. Yeah. Um, So he can do whatever. Like, I don't care. <laughs> like, you oh, make both of those yeah. movies, you're my friend. Oh, Thelma and Louise, yeah. It's definitely a volume game with him. Yeah. But for all the very forgettable movies, like the Black Reigns of the World that he's made, which is a movie I just remembered I saw in the theater, <laughs> and like Body of Lies that I just remembered existed, all those movies, he's got like at least one movie for everyone. Yes, that's and true. And they're big movies. That's true. He really does. Like Thelma and Louise was written for me. It was directed for me. <laughs> it's amazing that was that's oh my god that's one of my favorites all time and it's just like shocking that he directed it just because it doesn't seem like he would it no. doesn't seem like the type of movie he would make but he did it anyway because nobody else would make it that's literally why because like they were shopping the screenplay around he was just going to produce and then like every man director passed on it they were like this is a chick movie and, like, nobody would make the movie. So he was like, okay, I guess I'll just do it myself. And I'm thankful for that. <laughs> and I'm very glad he made that movie because it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, we got our big Brad Pitt introduction mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. that movie, lest we forget. But on top of that, though, I feel like that's a rare time where a director also being just as pronounced of a producer really is effective. Yes. 
to identify of what this could be. I mean, granted, both commercially and not necessarily that you knew that'd be the hit that it was, but just understanding the potential of of the work goes a long way. Yes, there was, oh my God, such big potential with that script. I just, it's one of my favorite scripts too. I think it's just written so tightly and smartly and authentically. And it was Callie Corey's first script ever. She just kind of, she just like wrote it one day, kind of like a Juno, (laughs) Juno situation. Where, like, it was her first script to Diablo Cody's yeah. first script, and then it's just this incredible Oscar nominated <laughs> thing that comes out. Or, I guess, I think she won. I think Both so. Of, yeah. I mean, I know yeah. Diablo won, but yeah. I think, yeah, Callie Corey won too, which is just, God, that's incredible. That's. <laughs> Can you I imagine? No, I cannot. I cannot even imagine. It's like you write this movie, and then, like, Susan Sarandon, Gina Davis, and I guess they don't know who Brad Pitt is yet. He's not famous yet. But. Still, it's Harvey Keitel, Michael Madsen. That's a hell of a hell of a five people. I know it's more like four people from how much screen time they have, but yeah. like, what a fascinating assemblage of people. It's it's such a great cast, and it I guess it also kind of predicts Tarantino casting to Harvey and Michael yeah. and Brad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's just everybody's so 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 great in that film, and it gave Brad his big break. So. You know. The world thanks Ridley. Yes. Thank you, Ridley. Thank you, Ridley. You knew what you were doing with that one. <laughs> you know what? I still don't like you for Prometheus. Yeah. <laughs> and Alien Covenant. I know that there's a weird backlash to the backlash and people are like, no, it's actually good. Well, I deeply beg to differ on that, but you know, respect you for Thelma Louise, so thank you. Yeah, the Prometheus Covenant ones Don't the, get it. Those ones are tricky. It's like I, I do like the Alien series. A lot. Yes. Even it's like I will keep watching them no matter what. At this point, like I'll, I'll, I will keep watching. Yeah, I'm in. It's just I'm, I'm grandfathered in. I yeah, know. yeah, yeah. But like Prometheus and Covenant, I don't know. <laughs> they're just bad. They're just I. <laughs> yeah, I think they're messes. You know, I think uh, Prometheus is like if I'm looking for like uh, good stuff in it, I suppose it's like two thirds of a of an intriguing movie. Yeah, and I, out of both of those two, my favorite part is in Covenant when Michael Fassbender okay. Robot teaches other Michael Fassbender Robot to play the recorder. <laughs> that, to me, that's like the only part of those two movies, or I shouldn't say only part, that's being dramatic, but I think it's that It's not it, far off, though. Yeah, yeah, it just like really captures kind of, hmm, like the original Alien, where the original Alien is very like, in my opinion, my reading of it, is it's very much about gender and just like um, fear, gender fears, basically. I think that, you know, just like with all the like the phallic imagery and, and um, I just think there's a lot of gender and fear stuff in there. And I think that Alien Covenant, that scene really reflects that original seed of an idea. Yeah. And it's also the rare, frankly, the rare time in that movie where in either of them where I'm like, where is this going? Like, it's very tense and intriguing and interesting and. Yeah, I was just really into it. But I just think those movies are like, to me, it's like uh, the movie equivalent to like somebody who's wearing glasses with no lenses. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like very like pretentious. And, you know, we're going to respect the audience by like not holding your hand. But then three seconds later, they'll tell you the exact thing they're referencing. Yeah. Because they don't trust you to be smart enough to follow it. So I'm like, you know, make a choice. Yeah. It's just frustrating. Yeah, it just feels like there there's such a retread of the original stuff, but not even in like an interesting way. Like they just kind of kind of doing the same scares that the original did, but not really updating it that much. Which is just frustrating because I think it's such interesting source material. Yes. Just like there's just so much you could do with 
the world of Alien. So it's just disappointing when it's not fulfilling its full potential. I get that. Yeah. I, my my theory on this, theory is a very strong word, but my thought <laughs> has always been that I think Ridley Scott is pissed off that everybody talks about James Cameron's aliens. <laughs> aliens, yeah. And he's trying to take his franchise back. That's what I think. Yeah. Aliens. I need to rewatch Aliens, admittedly. It's pretty great. Yeah, it it's is great. great. I've only seen it once. I watched it like on my laptop <laughs> in my parents' house, like <laughs> yeah. alone one time, which is not the way you should watch that movie. So I've been wanting to rewatch. Because what did I just watch? I just re- I just watched Terminator 2 for the first time. Oh, okay. What do you uh what do you think? I thought it was awesome. I yeah. it's I I it was really it was pretty cool. People had been telling me to watch it for like a while and I was always like, "No, that's just not my type huh. of I'm just not really like an action movie girl in general, um except for Kill Bill." What a different action movie. Yeah, that's but my yeah, 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 that's my favorite movie of all time. But like I just, you know, it's just not my cup of tea, like I respect it. But anyway, so I finally like my friends were like, "We're going to watch T2." So I did. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And we kept comparing it like how Terminator 1 is like Alien and Terminator 2 is like Aliens. Where like the first is kind yeah. of like, you know, like a down-to-earth thriller. Kind of like, yeah, lo-fi genre film. Yeah, kinda. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the second one is just like, let's go all out on action. <laughs> just like, <laughs> yeah. let's put all of it into shooting and guns and explosions. It's like, now that you understand what this world is mm-hmm. okay now we can really stretch our legs yeah yes 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 which was i liked her okay so i like terminator 2 more than terminator 1 but i like alien 1 more than aliens no i'm in the same position okay. because i do like terminator but i think it's also i don't know my memory of it, it's been a while since i've seen that one versus t2 but it's kind of more a little bit more boring i guess yeah or, or maybe it's just boring relative to just how big and dramatically different T2 is, and maybe that's what it is. Yes. But whereas Alien versus Aliens, they are just like two different worlds in the same world. They're so dramatically different. like Just like psychological sci-fi horror versus big action film in the world of Alien. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very, very different. And Terminator 1, I mean, I we studied it in film school first, like, a lot. Like, I've seen it, like, three times because of film school. Really? Which is just wild, because of the script. Um, okay. They actually, we were supposed to study Thelma and Louise, and they bumped it for Terminator. So <laughs> I'm still kind of mad about that. <laughs> wow, that really is a, a, a film class, isn't it? Yeah. Just the idea of, like... Yeah, we're gonna watch Terminator instead of Thelma and Louise. Like, yeah, that is, that feels like such a, so representative of Hollywood in general. Yeah, messed up, messed up <laughs> in my yeah. opinion. The Thelma and Louise script is just so perfect. And another thing is scripts. Yeah. I'm also fascinated by scripts and dialogue and just oh my god, I think dialogue is so 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 important and it's so yeah. hard to nail. I agree. You know what? The funny thing is that the first movie I saw to where I had the kind of the epiphany of like, oh, that's what great dialogue is. It was Reservoir Dogs. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> specifically, but specifically when it was Buscemi and Kaitel in the bathroom mm. talking to each other. Yes. It was just like, oh, that's that's how people talk. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Reservoir Dogs is one of my first movies that made me realize like, oh, movies can be like this like people can talk like real people and say interesting things and oh yeah i love reservoir dogs so much i just again i like when drama is confined to like a chamber like chamber dramas yeah where oh god just like isolating people together 
Yeah, yes. I love the, the relative like single settings like that. Mm-hmm. I think they're, I don't know what it is about them. I, I just, uh, I guess, you know, just the self-contained factor just ups the difficulty level in a weird way. Like, mm-hmm. again, putting limitations on it and just figuring it out and kind of making it more organic. Like, that movie is self-contained on some level out of necessity, mm-hmm. you know, because, like, that's his first movie. He's not going to get unlimited resources to go anywhere he wants. Yeah. So we're going to shoot outside a little bit, but otherwise we're going to be in this warehouse. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that's where budget constraints can be helpful. Yeah. Because the first of our dogs had this huge budget with all explosions and action. That's not what I'm <laughs> that's just not what I'm interested in. I don't know. It's I mean, it has its place obviously like for entertainment, but I just again like kind of tying it back into Mikey and Nikki. I just think it's really fascinating to explore like the headspace of the criminal characters and yeah. to kind of turn it into a character study. Just I just think that's to me personally that's more interesting and I think that both do just an excellent job of getting us into the headspace in limited setting and making us really, really care about these characters and have them feel real. Like the Mr. Orange and Mr. White are real to me. They are real characters. (laughs) And I care about them deeply. No, I you just can't beat that. Like I will take a talking movie any day over a shoot 'em up. And and they all have their place and I'm in certain moods for certain things at different times, but I tend to gravitate toward that far more than anything else. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Me too, me too, me too. I, cause, I don't know. I feel like I'm watching movies to not necessarily to feel seen, because that's just like makes it really about myself, but I guess to yeah. experience, to experience the human experience, I suppose, is like kind of why I watch these movies. And, you know, like the, the, all the action stuff, it's like that's not my experience. Or the experience of the people around me. And so that I think that that's part of why I gravitate towards those, like, the, the dramas and things like that. Those just affect me so much more. Like, I like watching the action and those, and, and those like, with my friends. Sure. Um, those are obviously so much more fun to watch with my friends <laughs> than, like, watching these harrowing dramas with them. Um, <laughs> yeah, just five friends silently sitting around a couch and watching a deeply affecting Casavetti's movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, for my birthday, I almost watched Opening Night with my friends, but I was like, mm, I don't know if that's the <laughs> vibe, actually. <laughs> so, instead, you watched a uh, Ratatouille knockoff? Yes, we watched, we watched Ratatouille. <laughs> and um and Kill Bill oh Volume One. What a classic double feature! That double feature really sums me up as a person. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I forgot that was the name of it. I couldn't. I feel like I would pull that name as a joke. Oh no, that's actually it. Yeah, no, that's it. It's it's Ratatouille. <laughs> it's about a rat in Brazil, and God, that's the best. He steals food for his restaurant Ratatouille. The restaurant <laughs> is called. The restaurant is called Ratatouille. Oh my god. The rat's name is Marcel Toying. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like they just took the entire script of Ratatouille and put it in Google Translator. Yeah, that's what it that's what it feels like, which is it's- <laughs> impressive because it came out the same year as Ratatouille. Oh, that was a quick turnaround. Very quick turnaround. I don't know how they did it. I mean, I guess when you watch it it's clear it took a second to make. Yeah. But <laughs> I was like, they they saw the first trailer of it come out, and they're like, yeah. "Shit, guys, we got work to do." Yeah, you honestly like it does feel like it's probably made off of the trailer because it doesn't follow the plot of Ratatouille at all. Oh, so, yeah, so it's like very clearly they clearly it was made before it came out, or they were able to see it. Yeah, yeah, they just were banking on like maybe people will think this is Ratatouille and will accidentally rent it, which I'm sure happened to many. 
because they have they have a lot of movies like that. I was I was looking into the studio. They have like Kung Fu Panda ripoffs. One called okay. The Little Panda King. <laughs> they have one about Up. They have one about Frozen. I don't know. Good money. Wow. Good money scheme, I guess. I mean, all it takes is just a bad name searcher or a bad Googler, and then they got revenue coming in. Because I can't. I mean, yeah. To your point, like I, I imagine the overheads not high. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a volume business. Yeah. It's uh, the Ridley Scott of knockoff <laughs> animated films. <laughs> the Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott's Ratatouille. <laughs> that would actually be fascinating because you don't God. know. You don't know what form it will take because he's so unpredictable. Right. How do you know it's a really Scott movie? Oh, well, the rat's teaching the other rat how to play an instrument. <laughs> and they're a, they're kind of identical and they're about to maybe make out, yeah. maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, again, that moment. Yeah. That moment is fun. It's very memorable for, for a, it's fascinating. It really is. It tricked me into thinking that the movie was good for like a little bit. Like after I, yeah. cause I saw it again, tying, tying back into the movie theater experience. I like, when I saw Alien Covenant, I like smoked a joint with my friend in the car before. And then we went into Covenant and we had so much fun. And like, yeah, it really did trick me into thinking it was good until I watched it again at home and was like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, we're going to throw out a Mary Shelley reference, but don't worry. Ten minutes later, we'll deeply explain what we were talking about. Because we know you fucking idiots can't possibly deduce any of this. Yeah. Any knowledge of it. I know. It's so frustrating. It is frustrating. It's frustrating. What a way to end. Yeah. We'll end on frustration. Is there anything you want to point people toward before we wrap it up? Oh, yeah. Let's see. Um, Well, mostly it's just my letterboxed, Brat Pitt. That's really my main thing i also co-wrote a feature film called screwdriver um that should be you know covid stuff makes things difficult but it it is completed like it's finished final cut and we're just waiting to submit it to festivals but i'd like to get the word out there screwdriver that'll be coming out at some point hopefully i don't know how any of this works and then yeah yeah it's it's very very cool and then other than that i'm also just on instagram mia jolie pitt Twitter, Brat Pitt, and then I'm also actually available to do freelance script coverage. Nice. Um, okay. Just if anybody out there wants somebody to look at their script, I'm available for hire. I have experience doing it. I like doing it. Yep, those are my main things. Awesome. Well, thank you for doing this. This was so fun. Yes, this was. Thank you so much for having me on here. It was really yeah. fun. It's nice to talk to somebody else besides like my little core pod <laughs> of a couple yeah. people. <laughs> um, I love that. I love them very much. Um, it's just cool to meet other people. It's hard to do that these days. So thank yeah, you for no, giving I me the it. opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again for doing this. Thank you all for listening. Please wear a mask. Stay safe. <laughs> Lead with empathy and do nice things. Toodles. Bye bye. Okay.